Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. evening and welcome to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed, broadcasting from behind these enemy lines that I call USA Inc. Today is a Tuesday. It's Tuesday evening, just about five minutes after the top of the hour, six o'clock p.m. Eastern time for those on the East Coast. Today's date is October the 2nd, 2018, and I just want to thank you for joining me for this broadcast. Um, I do have a main topic, but it's not something that I want to spend a whole lot of time on, but I do want to bring it up. It's something I've been thinking about over the past 48 hours concerning uh, Brett Kavanaugh's nomination hearing or the Senate Judicial uh, Committee hearing, which, you know, I don't know why you would call for the FBI to further investigate and then hold a vote to uh, move his um his nomination to the full Senate. That doesn't make much sense to me. Um, But again, a lot of things the United States government politicians do don't make a whole lot of sense to me. So that's pretty much par for the course. But I'm not going down the road that perhaps some people might think I'm going down. But I don't know if this has become a hashtag, but I have seen this too much and I think it's a dangerous thing to be promoting and that's just believe her which is something I'm hearing people say in relation to women making allegations of rape sexual assault or other misconduct and that's count that's counter to justice so that is the main topic that I wanted to discuss because I think it's a very dangerous um, position to be taking, especially given all the wrongful convictions that I have read about and reported on over what 10 years of broadcasting now. Uh, just wrongful conviction after wrongful conviction, DNA exonerations, prosecutorial misconduct. Now, on the flip side of that, I think that all allegations should be taken serious. But I can't take you serious if you're telling me, just believe her. Just believe her. Um, Not only have we had wrongful convictions, which might have been related to uh, this problem with, with, um, what do they call that? 
I guess you call it facial recognition, human facial recognition, where where you know when you do these lineups and you might wrongly identify the person. I'll never forget. I had to call the police one time. Um, first, the police officer had stopped at our house, and there was a truck parked outside of a locked gate, uh, net, you know, um, in the driveway of the church next door. So the cop stopped, and he asked me if I recognized that vehicle. And he said we had been having reports of break-ins of church in churches and stuff. So the cop stopped at our house um, to ask, you know, do you recognize this vehicle? And I was like, no, I, I, I don't recognize that vehicle. I've never seen it before. So then when a police officer was leaving, I saw a person standing on the side of the building, peeking out from behind the building, looking at the cop go up the road. Now, that was suspicious to me. So I took mental note of what the person was wearing. The person had on glasses. The person had on a gray jumpsuit with a green T-shirt. So I called the uh, county police and said, hey, this is a, a cop just stopped by here saying, you know, he was asking me about this vehicle parked next door at the church and if I recognized the vehicle and that there had been a report of break-ins in, in churches this week. So I just saw some suspicious behavior and I, I want him to come back and check it out. So the cop came back and check it out to check it out because I wasn't going going over there. You know, I, I was not going to put my life on the line. I don't know who that person was, what they might have had. I was doing my 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 civic duty in reporting this suspicious behavior and, you know, looking out for the church, which I always keep an eye on on uh, what's going on at the church. I once uh, made this white guy who, who says that he was trying to hide his vehicle from his wife who was drunk. Um, he lives in the trailer park. Uh, which its driveway is next door to the church. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've been getting reports of black churches being burned down and you need to move that vehicle. I don't know you. I don't know what you're doing. And and he, you know, he moved his vehicle. Um, I didn't go over there to confront him. I just, you know, called him out from my porch. So anyway, the police comes back. He goes, knocks on the church door and the new pastor came out pastor I didn't know um, and he said you know explain to him show him look I got the keys and all this and that but the cop came back to me and he was like you know you described that guy to a T um, I you know I, I that's pretty impressive because a lot of people aren't able to give us accurate descriptions and what have you but you know so I imagine and well not I imagine I know I know because, you know, law enforcement has admitted this, and this has come out in studies, that some people have a problem with identifying their attackers. And that that winds up with the wrong person getting accused, the wrong person getting convicted. So just to say, just believe her, that's, that's counter to justice. I would even say, just believe him is counter to to justice. You you know uh, we have all of these young people who are um we got these teachers and and a lot of them are women. Uh there was just a case in South Carolina where a math teacher had coerced 
this 17-year-old student into having sex with her by threatening to change his, lower his math grade. And, and thankfully, he ended up tell, telling his mother, but not before he didn't have sex with her about three times. So, you know, I, I imagine that, hey, there are some students who may not just like a teacher and might make some false allegations. So what I'm saying is, let's not act like false allegations don't get made. And at the same time, though, whenever anyone makes an allegation, we have to take it serious and it has to be a proper investigation. And then, you know, evidence gathered. And if it's a criminal offense, then, yeah, then try the person. But to simply put into people's mind that you should just believe a woman's allegation, that's counter to justice. That's poisoning any potential juror who may find themselves on a rape case or, or something like that. So, you know, I understand this is emotional um, for a lot of people. And, you know, these are high political stakes. And I just worry that the wrong message that is a message counter to justice is being sent to the public right now. And that that's just not right. So, um, you know, there have been, and I noted this about 48 hours ago, I said there have been extreme and hypocritical views expressed on both sides of the Kavanaugh debate concerning allegations of sexual assault or rape. People like Donald Trump now want to, you know, whine about a rush to judgment concerning his nominee. But given his past concerning the Central Park Five case where he spent money to take out a full page New York Times ad before there was even a trial calling for the execution of those teenagers who were wrongfully um, accused and later convicted of raping that woman in Central Park. So he's the wrong person to be talking about this, and he just needs to STFU, if you know what that means. Then there are also plenty of people, um, obviously the jurors, who believe the accusations against a teenager, uh, Brian Banks, which was made by a spiteful, um, fellow student who he had sex with and then I, I guess you know um, she was nothing more than a sexual conquest to him and he didn't want a relationship with her and out of spite she accused him of raping her and that resulted in his wrongful conviction and he went to prison for many many years so again what I'm saying is the goal should not be to simply believe every woman is telling the truth or and we don't even we shouldn't even and I realize I'm engaging in it right now but we shouldn't even put gender on it okay because men get raped too they get raped by other men they get raped by women and so we shouldn't even be seeking to to turn this into some kind of gender war uh type of thing but to simply believe every person is telling the truth about such allegations is it's not in the interest of justice. And nor is it in the interest of justice just to dis dismiss them outright. Okay? The goal should always be justice through a fair process. Now, this debate, of course, as I've stated earlier, is in is is going on 
during a highly partisan, highly publicized Senate confirmation hearing. Now, as I said to someone else, a Senate confirmation hearing is not a criminal court, thereby they should not, or I shouldn't say should not, I'm going to have to get that some more thought, but they are not held to the same standards as you would in a criminal trial. Just as someone else pointed out to me, um, you know, there should be the same standards in a civil trial concerning sexual allegations where a woman is, is suing um, skin. Let me stop genderizing it. Man, you know, I'm a product of this society. But um, where a person is making uh, uh, allegations against somebody saying that they did something injurious to them and they're seeking compensation for that injury. Um, I feel like, especially if you're talking about sexual allegations, that it should be the same standard as for a criminal court. I don't think in a civil court that you should be uh, able to have less evidence than you would in a criminal court. That just does not make sense to me. They're both courts and they're supposed to be operating, um, you know, seeking the truth and seeking justice. So why should the two different standards of the preponderance of evidence, that doesn't seem fair to me, okay? But in a Senate confirmation hearing, they don't operate on that same standard. Um, but I also fear, and we'll see, with it going to the full Senate, we'll see if any of the issues, any of the uh, judicial issues, Okay, with with uh, I was about to say Mark Judge, but with Brett Kavanaugh will come up because he's made some very troubling decisions on some cases. Uh, he's also written some very troubling opinions on these cases that I hope that he is taking a task by one of these senators as it goes to the full Senate. Okay. Um, now, in terms of the alleged sexual assault that he engaged in or is alleged to have engaged in over 30 years ago, um, I do feel like there's a place for that to be debated in the Senate and because it speaks to a person's character. Now, at the same time, though, it should be a full vetting other allegations and I understand that the FBI is investigating it now but I also don't like the fact that oh they're going to limit uh, what the FBI can do which I understand they have uh, talked to Brett Kavanaugh's best friend Mark Judge who wrote all about um, you know their degenerate behavior um, in his books that, that he has written and so um, I'm hoping that even though it's limited in scope, that we'll be able to get some evidence that points to whether or not Kavanaugh has the has the character. And again, people' character can change, especially over the period of 30 years. Um, but the question of if he lied about it, because then you're lying under oath in the Senate now. I already don't want him to become a Supreme Court justice just based off of his conduct during the hearing. Um, just how combative he was, 
how emotional he was. And y'all can say, or people can say, well, these are serious allegations and this is a very important um, point in his career and you be emotional too, but no, 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 no. A judge should be able to divorce himself of his emotions. He should be able to, or she should be able to control themselves. I don't want emotional judges on the bench, okay? I don't want emotional people on the bench, all right? And then just how how he was being so combative and even disrespectful of the senators who was asking questions that he didn't like. So, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't tolerate that type of um, uh, combativeness from a witness on a stand uh, who's being questioned by a prosecutor or maybe by a defense attorney, you know? And I mean, what if a prosecutor asked me a question, um, you know, and then I was like, oh, ask me a question about do I like to drink or do I get drunk? And then I asked the prosecutor instead of answering the question, hey, do you like to drink? What do you drink? And all that. A judge would not tolerate that. I have been on the witness stand um, in a criminal case where I was uh, falsely accused of communicating a threat. No, let, let me back up. I did communicate a threat to that person. But it was under extreme duress and I was convicted, but I was not emotional on that witness stand. And then later, um, the judge reversed it, reversed my conviction and threw and threw it out. OK, um, so I've been in that situation. I've been before the court um, when I was fighting for custody of my children and was forced to represent myself after my funds started running low. And so I, I know about how you should conduct yourself in a courtroom or on that witness stand. You don't want to be emotional. You definitely don't want to come off as being angry. You want to be cool, calm, and collective and answer the questions to the best of your ability. So, I mean, there is a lot wrong with Brett Kavanaugh. Um, but most of the focus is on these sexual uh, allegations that might have happened 30 years ago, which I also feel like is, is look, there's other stuff concerning Brett Kavanaugh that we need to be talking about. But again, my purpose of choosing this as a topic, which I don't need, feel like I need to spend a whole lot of time on this, is that I don't know if it's become a hashtag or not. But I've seen it in enough conversations where people are saying, just believe her. No, you don't just believe her. There's been too many wrongful uh, convictions. There's been too many mistaken identities. There's been too, too many prosecutorial uh, um, instances of misconduct where a system that's based on slavery and not justice where the prosecutor just looking for a conviction. And any person will do it, as long as they can put a, a win in the conviction column. That's that's not about justice, okay? That's not about justice. So we have to be careful on both sides of this. There should be some some level-headedness as we discuss these issues. And again, I understand that there are victims of sexual assault out there who may be reliving their own trauma and they're in their emotions. But with that said, though, 
it is not correct to be telling people to just believe every woman, you know, by the statement, just believe her. No, no, we can't just take people at their word. We have to have evidence and the evidence has to be collected uh, properly. And, you know, we want to get to the truth of the matter. We just don't want to believe people because this is a problem. Rape is a problem in our society. That's not justice. That's not what justice looks like. Now, I got a, a few other articles to talk about, um, but I do want to talk about which is in the vein of this topic because I really don't have anything else to say about it. But if anybody else has any commentary, by all means, give us a call 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. Hit the star key twice to unmute yourself. Please watch your background noise. Um, but just to give you a couple of headlines of some of the articles that I will be talking about, um, a couple of articles that's kind of touching upon my dialogue or my monologue I just gave you. Trump's, Trump says it's a very scary time for young men in America. See, that's that hypocrisy that I'm talking about. When has it not been a scary time? especially for young black black uh, men in this country, all right? When has it, not, especially concerning those type of allegations now, I, I don't really want to racialize this issue because in the case of Brian Banks, because somebody said to me, you know, we should doubt, we should give young black men the benefit of the doubt when they're accused by white women. I don't, I can't agree with that because again, you know, justice should be colorblind. And then it's not like black women, like in the case of Juanita, Juanetta Gibson, that's a black, that well, a black girl at the time, but she's a woman now. But she is the one who made the, the uh, spiteful, um, false allegations against, you know, Brian Banks. So this ain't a racial issue, okay? This is an issue of justice. Either we practicing justice or we not practicing justice. All right. And so I don't want to color colorize it. But, you know, there are sometimes we do have to recognize the racial disparities. But, you know, it, it's been a very scary, scary time for people uh, facing any kind of allegation in courts in America, especially criminal courts, because, again, the system isn't about justice. The system is based on the continuation of slavery, okay? And it's and, and many of these prosecutors over the cases I have read about in my 10 years of, of being an independent uh, citizen journalist is that there are times where they know they have the wrong person. I mean, I, I, I'm remembering an interview we did about a month or so ago of someone who spent over 20-something years in prison and, and down there um, in Texas. I can't remember his name right now, but now he runs a detective agency that uh, investigates, um, you know, these sort of cases where people have been wrongfully convicted. And the prosecutor in his case, it was a Dallas County prosecutor in Texas who said that, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, he said that that the hallmark of a good prosecutor 
is when they can get a conviction on an innocent person. That's what that prosecutor actually said. Okay? So it's been a scary time for all defendants who may be innocent in this country. It's been a very scary time. So I will go a little bit into that article, but also this just came out last June. Again, to those who are talking about, just believe her. You have a college student by the name of Nikki Yovino, who is who was facing six years in prison after admitting to falsely accusing two football players of raping her. And this article talks about how she got off easy. So I'll read that article from the Daily uh, Wire. So again, we cannot just simply be putting into the minds of society that we should just believe her. Because there are vindictive women out there who, because they have been scorned or they wanted a relationship and all the guy wanted was sex, and they'll make up some stuff to punish that person. So let's not act like these these people don't exist because they do exist. And we want to practice justice. We want justice for the victims, but we also want, want, want it so that innocent people aren't sent to prison for crimes they didn't do, uh, let alone crimes that never even happened. So we'll go over that. Uh, also, Senator Kamala Harris, um, I seen her tweet out something today on Twitter. I'm telling y'all, this is a hypocrite. She's a hypocrite. Don't be fooled by her hashtag black girl magic using race as a qualifier. All right. And that's targeting black women and suggesting to black women, you should vote for me because I'm a black woman. Black girl magic. Without looking at this woman's extensive record as a prosecutor, as well as the attorney general of California. You need to be looking at her record. Okay. Now I called her a hypocrite on Twitter today and told her, I don't trust you as you're tweeting about uh, Donald Trump's atrocious family separation policy concern concerning these migrant migrant children. But yet, when you was a prosecutor, you were separating children from their parents by talking, by pushing for a law in California to put parents of wayward children into prison because their children are skipping school. How is that justice? And how is that justice not as atrocious as Trump's family separation policy? Because what do you think is going to happen to the children? If you put their parents in prison and then when you handicap or handcuff now, I don't, I, I'm not going to say I don't believe in corporal punishment, but I don't, I don't believe in beating children. But when you handicap parents into what they can and cannot do to try to keep their children on the right path, how are you going to then blame those parents for the behavior of their wayward children and throw them in jail. That's not justice. And she's a hypocrite in her record of being a, a person who has not practiced justice in her professional career needs to be laid out 
on the table because, see, she's preparing for a presidential run in 2020. And I'll read an article um, that's uh, showing you uh, some uh, her hypocrisy um, in the judicial system. Um, today may be the last day of the murder trial concerning Jason Van Dyke, the Chicago cop who uh, shot Laquan McDonald, I think he was 16, maybe 17 years old, shot him down like a dog in the street, um, just emptied his clip into this young man who was not a threat. And there's a couple of things that came out today. And I'm saying that Jason Van Dyke, based off of a defense witness, not a prosecutor witness, but a defense witness, this paid police psychologist, because I looked up information on him, um, and a lot of and a lot of what he does is make excuses for police killing people, and talk about how police are victims and and things of that nature. And he get paid a lot of money to be an expert witness, and he's out of uh, Florida, but he may have revealed that Jason Van Dyke premeditated the murder of Laquan McDonald. So I would definitely want to share that article with you. Um, but um, Van Dyke is on, has been on the stand today. And I don't think that, um, you know, we've been paying enough attention to what's going on in that trial. Another important thing, you know, um, this psychologist is arguing for uh, perception, saying that um, Van Dyke perceived Laquan McDonald to be a threat. And as I tweeted, you know, on the uh, the um, reply to a tweet that was posted about that, I was like, oh, so we killing people based on perceived threats, right? So I perceive Jason Van Dyke to be a threat to citizens if he's let back out on the street. Does that justify him being shot? Because we perceive him as being a threat. So, but that's what's being argued in court today. Hey, as long as he perceived it to be a threat, then the killing was justified. Well, uh, perception is an objective. That's not a, it, the other cops didn't perceive him as a threat to the point they had to empty their clips into him. He's the only one who fired. But again, when I get into the details of that story, this was a premeditated murder. Um, feds, feds make several arrests today in connection with the Charlottesville violence. Now, on on uh, social media, I had made a post about uh, Soledad O'Brien, and I think I might have talked about my history with her going back to a debate I had with Tim Wise about he, him supposing that he has a right to stand in the middle of a street and yell nigger at people passing by and that the First Amendment covers that. So, you know, I mentioned that I've had issues with her ever since and that, you know, here she is blasting on Kanye, uh, talking about the 13th Amendment and then saying, oh, he wants to abolish the amendment that abolished slavery when the 13th Amendment did not abolish slavery. And I said she sucks as a journalist um, because a real journalist would at least first read the 13th Amendment and, and then come to a conclusion of whether the 13th Amendment 
abolish slavery instead of being in their feelings. And there's a lot of people in their feelings about Kanye West because of some of his views and his support of Donald Trump, which I don't, you know, I don't, it's not even a matter of me agreeing with which political, as they would call him, a celebrity figurehead that he support, but I don't have to agree with his right-wing talking points that I feel like he's just repeating. They're being programmed into him, but I can set aside my disagreements with him on those issues and still support his message or him putting out the message that the 13th Amendment never abolished slavery. So I said that because in that thread, you know, because I had mentioned that, hey, I had a disagreement with her when she took Tim Wise's side saying that the First Amendment allows a racist to call us niggers in the street. And, and, and so then a black person, I'm assuming it's a black person, I think it's a black person, going to say to me, well, she's right. The First Amendment does allow for white people to call you a nigger in the street and what have you. And this person just, just buckets and buckets and buckets of words. And I think this is black person. I don't know for sure, but you know, he looks black <laughs> uh, uh, from his uh, pictures, from his profile picture. But he, I'm like, look, even if I, even if the first amendment did say or protect a racist terrorist from terrorizing me and harassing me with his words, in the public square as a self-respecting black person opposed to racial terrorism, terrorism under no circumstances in no setting would I be arguing that a white person has that right. That speaks, that's some, that's, speaks to me as a black person who is retarded um, and that retardation came about because of this racist society that we live in. And I understand that tonight on Foundational Radio, that that might be the topic of tonight, um, that Brother Ross and Brother Jenna will be discussing if racism retards the brains of black people. And I say that's exhibit A. You got a black person arguing that a white person has a right to call you a nigger in the street. If that ain't retardation, if that ain't exhibit A, then I don't know what to tell you. Now, how does that tie into this article? Well, these these four terrorists who traveled all the way from California to Charlottesville, Virginia, to, to run across a campus with some tiki torches, and then to turn out at this white supremacist rally uh, wanting to protect or, or protesting this Confederate monument being pulled down. Well, guess what? They was charged with... Uh, inciting a riot because that person in that thread said, hey, uh, Klan members be marching down the street calling people niggers and whatnot. So apparently the First Amendment protects that. And I, I was like, come on, man. Really? Really? That's what you want to argue. This is not the 1950s. This ain't even the 1960s. This is 2018. Now, some details of these terrorists from California was actually also brought up um, from yesterday's conversation 
about how society is changing and when racist uh, white people get exposed for practicing racism, how they're losing their jobs, how they're losing their businesses, and that society seems less tolerant than, let's say, they would 40 years ago of racists and what have you. So it kind of ties into that conversation for those who heard um, heard uh, yesterday's program that I did. All right, so before I get started uh, with these articles, Okay, we don't. I don't see anybody has any question or comment. But jump, jump in at any time that you want to comment. Uh, pretty informal uh, program today. Uh, it's actually the second day of October, and I need to uh, generate some reports of our media reach for Black Talk Media Project so I can get them to our volunteer in the UK. And uh, so that she can then put together the final report. So I got a lot, a lot to do. So sounds like we do have someone who wants to comment on what I've brought up thus far. Um, Otis, we got Otis. Hey, what's going good on? evening, Scotty, my abolitionist comrade. I just wanted to put a name to uh, the detective agency you brought up because you've interviewed him and you had him on as a guest. Christopher Scott. Johnny Lindsay and Stephen Phillips are the ones who have they have a movie out called uh, a documentary called In True Conviction. That's the agency that they started in Dallas. Thank you. And for I did want to tell you, I, I happened to tweet or direct message uh, your boy Tim Black, and then I came on Facebook and saw where you had an exchange with him. But I'm actually I actually direct messaged him on Twitter and told him that the and we've been working on abolition since 1865, so demonizing ye was a waste of time. This man has put the issue of abolition before more people in one stupid tweet that he came back and corrected in the inside of at least an hour from my interaction with him. So we should be working on what the real problem is. Slavery is still legal in America. Why are you demonizing him? for his political stance. He got a right to be in whatever political stance he wants in America. So I'm interested in seeing if he'll get back with me because I've had some exchanges with him over the last six or seven months. Now, for Otis, let me give the folks some background. And I actually was thinking about mentioning this uh, at the beginning of the broadcast, but I was like, yeah, I'll save it for a later broadcast because me and Max plan to do a broadcast on New Abolitionist Radio where... Um, you know, we examine uh, some of these people who say they about justice, but, you know, they seem to be on something else. Now, I have respect for Tim Black um, on the issues. I follow him on, on, I subscribe to his channel on YouTube. That's how he became, a lot of people still don't know who he is. But thousands, you know, I don't know how big his audience is, but I know who he is, Okay. And so anyway, he said that Kanye West only brought up the 13th Amendment as a publicity stunt. And then, you know, he said that um, he doesn't have a grasp of the issue. And I was like, okay, I don't know about the publicity stunt part, but I'm glad he brought it up because now millions of people who perhaps have not ever read the 13th Amendment will read the 13th Amendment and see that exception clause. 
So then, you know, he comes back. Well, he doesn't have a grasp of the issue. And you, if you know me, I talk about mass incarceration and I talk about uh, private prisons and other issues. Yes, I know you talk about those issues. But, you know, uh, um, you trying to throw shade at Kanye because he ain't as educated seemingly because he misspoke, which he misspoke and later corrected himself. So why you want to harp on or focus on the part where he misspoke when you could just focus on focus on the message? And what's the message? That slavery was never abolished. So why are you palling on Kanye with all this anti-Kanye stuff um, about him misspeaking instead of speaking on the issue? And then, you know, I didn't say this to him, Otis, but I said, I said, you know, because he accused me of being a fanboy of Kanye, that I support Kanye. When I had just published the article, uh, dogging Kanye out for his little SNL rant. But then at the same time, those views ain't got nothing to do with the 13th, what he said about the 13th Amendment. So he, he told me, oh, I get it. You are you support Kanye. And I told him, I'm 51 years old. I'm a 51-year-old man. I'm way, way past the age where grown-ass men should be fanboys of anyone because that's what he was trying to play. He playing word games with me. Oh, you just support Kanye. That's why you're not giving him a hard time on misspeaking. No, that's not it. I'm not a fanboy of anyone. I'm 51 years old, but I'm trying to have a, a, a meaningful dialogue with you on the 13th Amendment and the exception clause in the fact that slavery was never abolished. Then, now, only we had this exchange, then all of a sudden, I'm being accused of harassing him, which I told him to his face. That's a bitch ass move for for a 50 something. Uh, excuse me for a grown ass man, because I don't know how old he is, but I know he ain't a child. And I'm like, so you're accusing me of harassing you when I thought I was just exchanging an opinion on on the public tweet that you put out. So I, I'm going to say this about Tim Black in case he ever comes across this. If you don't want to be engaged on stuff on Twitter, I was at no point disrespectful to you, called you out your name. I just I just offered my opinion that it ain't important. Kanye ain't important. The message is what's most important. And for him to 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 suggest that, oh, you harassing me, that that's a bitch move. Otis. Oh yeah, well, I I saw you exchange and I, I wasn't sure what all the details were, but I've kind of exchanged with him a couple times like that, telling him I'm too old to engage into the trying to get some uh, shock uh, comments so that you can spike your subscribers. He's got about 104,000 subscribers on YouTube and somewhere in the neighborhood of 57,000 followers on Twitter. So, but so like I said. Since he did have a couple of exchanges with me over the last six months, one on the telephone, that's why I just hit him up with a message. And uh, I, I'm trying to get him to focus just what you were saying, understanding this is not really about Kanye. So I'm just letting you know that I made contact with him. If he calls back, I'm willing to go on the show and, and uh, explain it to him. He might not ever invite me back, but that's my point. And I, I've been going through this nonstop with Soledad O'Brien, with 
Ice T, Snoop Dogg. I keep uh, sending them tweets. They retweeted some of my stuff before, but now they're trying to ignore me because I told them Kanye got it wrong. And I did screenshots. Like I said, I don't know if I shared them with you, but I shared them directly with Max. When I first saw that he was wrong, I didn't demonize him. I just went straight to his Instagram, sent him a post showing him, telling him that the 14 word exception clause is what you want to change. In other words, I didn't worry about him getting it wrong. I just put it right in his column so everybody could read it. Right, and it it got it got likes and stuff like that. So I know that the message got out to some people. How far what the reach is, I don't know, but I do know. Rather than answer me directly on Instagram, he went to Twitter. But I had the page open on Twitter, looking, and I see where he put the tweet up. So then I just uh, screenshot it and tweeted back to him, saying it with more information, with a whiteout, just like I heard found I found out that you did the same thing. So my whole thing to, to is. He got it wrong, but he exposed over half a million people to our, our agenda, abolition. Right. So I'm going to let the other fools worry about trying to demonize him, and I'm trying to carve out how far down the field we can move the football on abolition. And right. that's the point I'm trying to get across to all of them when I tweet them. Even on The View, I've hit them up with some. You're sitting here trying to demonize a man who has a right in America to side anywhere he wants. You can critique him, but why are you leaving out the facts that he put out there? That slavery is still legal. People are suffering in jail. It's just right after the largest prison strike in the world. So that tells me you're not about trying to educate anybody like you claim you are. You're just simply infotainment. Correct me if I'm wrong. This This issue is too serious for you to be demonizing him when lives are on the line and over 700,000 black men are in prison and at least 30% of them, by some estimates, for nonviolent right. crimes and falsely convicted. I don't understand why you worried about ye, because ye and Trump got more followers than you do. Yeah, and, and then even when it was first shared with me by an attorney that I know, um, she's the one who alerted me to a TMZ article and when I read what he said, she said, she said, well, I hope he's talking about the exception clause of the prison. And I said, he is, because if you take what he said in context, he said, we're about to get people out of prison and, and, and abolish the 13th Amendment. So he got it wrong, but his intent was clear. His intent was to bring attention to the fact that slavery was never abolished and it's connected to the prisons. So, yeah, yeah. we want people to get their language uh, yeah, right. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. That's what I've been telling him. He got it wrong grammatically, but his focus is at 100%, and it is legal. As a matter of fact, the only last comment I'm going to make, because I want to hijack your thread, is I know that that girl on The View, Sonny Holston, is a lawyer. So I tagged her in the tweet along with Whoopi Goldberg and then all the other slew of names that I told you about. And I said, check with the lawyer on your panel. Maybe she can explain this to you. I put the exception clause there. And then I also went back to something else that we've been talking about. I said, if you don't believe that's true, check out a section of the 14th Amendment and you'll find out the very same method is used to disenfranchise voters once they've been convicted of a crime. I said, so don't be harping on ye for not knowing what you don't know. It's a fact. It's in the, it's in the, the document that's supposed to be the law of the land, the Constitution. 
don't be jumping on ye because this is not some lyrics in a hip hop song. It's the Constitution of the United States. Right, right. Well put. And I would even say it shouldn't even take a, a, an attorney to explain the 13th Amendment. I would say just have an eighth grade reading comprehension level. Well, well you know, that was a kind of slight at her since she's a, she right, was a right. I know. attorney. I know. I know. <laughs> Got to be nice about it. <laughs> yeah, but it don't take an attorney. It takes knowing the definition of the word except. That's all it takes. If you know the definition of the word except, then you can see clearly they never abolished slavery. See, you know my sense of humor. I actually screenshot the definition of exception out of Black's Law Dictionary and attached that to the tweet. <laughs> Matter of fact, uh, Black Talk Radio is tagged in it and so is New Abolitionist. All right. Now, let's jump to uh, some of these articles. Um, so Trump says it's a very scary time. I don't need to, to play his comments. It's pretty poor audio anyway. Uh, President Donald Trump once again extended his sympathies to Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh amid the sexual misconduct allegations against him, telling reporters Tuesday that young men should be scared of false accusations. So here's a transcript of what he said. It's a very scary time for young men in America when you can be guilty of something you may not be guilty of, Trump said on the South Lawn of the White House before boarding Marine One. You can be somebody that was perfect your entire life and somebody could accuse you of something and you're automatically guilty, he continued. His uh, remarks came as he fielded questions about Kavanaugh's confirmation, which the Senate Judiciary Committee sent last week to the full Senate. Now, that's all. Uh, and then they, he was asked if he had a message for young women. He responded that women are doing great. All right. So obviously ignorance, uh, very ignorant uh, comment, uh, which it, it shouldn't be surprising coming from Donald Trump. But if we take his comments at very at face value, it is a very scary time for young men. But when has it not been a very scary time for young uh, non-white men, especially when it comes to false allegations and what have you. And it wasn't that long ago that Trump was then asked a question about his allegation in his full-page ad against the Central Park Five. This man doubled down. He doubled down on on that ad. Never apologized, even though DNA evidence uh, uh, exonerated these young men, these five young men known as the Central Park Park Five, whose youth uh, was stolen from them behind a wrongful conviction on rape. And so, you know, I, I'm just sick of the hypocrisy from those white males on the right who all of a sudden are concerned about uh, at, uh, false allegations or not uh, uh not allowing due process to play out when you can find comments from these very same men, okay, in support of a corrupt system that presumes that you're guilty uh, and you have to prove your innocence, okay? So Trump is the wrong person. He needs to shut up and sit down somewhere not to mention all the allegations that, that he has faced and not just allegations, but the man admitted to, to grabbing women by their private parts. That that's assault. That's sexual assault. 
Okay? So he's the wrong person. So again, I'm saying we got to have balance in this discussion. Just because I don't like Trump, just because he's being a hypocrite on this specific issue, I cannot go to all the way to the extreme and say we should just believe every every woman, just believe her. I can't get behind just believe her because there have been uh, uh, too many women due to trauma who have misidentified their attackers. There have been uh, women who have falsely uh, accused people of raping them and it never happened and people went to prison. So there has to be some balance. Cooler heads have to prevail in, on, on this issue. And it has become highly partisan. And I, I'm telling you, man, uh, this system is in desperate need of an overhaul. And this whole Supreme Court nomination, I've known this for years. Um, probably the first one I watched where a Supreme Court uh uh, someone nominated to the Supreme Court. First time I ever watched such a hearing was when Juanita Hill was accusing uh, Clarence Thomas, which they did not fully vet that. And another person who might be running for president, at least they mentioned Joe Biden, uh, again, because he's a Democrat, people will support him. But that man, that man has a very sordid history of being anti-justice, Okay. And, and 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 he helped demonize or or he presided over an unfair process uh concerning uh Anita Hill's allegations all right so let me move on for that i'm just saying we got to have some balance we cannot be in our emotions over this issue and the only people i will excuse for being emotional is people who have been victims and traumatized but I would ask them, please set aside your emotions and look at this objectively. We cannot just simply believe every woman simply because it may have happened to you. Because as this next story will show show you, there are women who, who to the detriment of real victims make up false allegations. So the Daily Wire put this article out on June the 8th, and I came across it, um, a female college student who was facing six years in prison after admitting to falsely accusing two football players of raping her has gotten off relatively easy. As the result of a last-minute plea deal, former Sacred Heart University student Nikki Yovino will only spend one year behind bars, if that. Meanwhile, both of the falsely accused men have left the school after saying they were dismissed from the team and had their scholarships revoked, which the school has disputed. Now, that's terrible what happened to them, okay? Uh, got their scholarships revoked, had to leave school, um, couldn't pursue their academic uh, pursuits, couldn't pursue perhaps maybe their um, professional sports aspiration all behind a, a, a fake allegation by this woman Nikki Yervino. now Yervino was facing up to six years in prison after being charged and I'm glad that these young men didn't get as far as them being 
you know, convicted because the jurors simply would have just believed Nikki Yovino. So I'm glad they didn't spend any time in prison slavery, but the disruption and the injury to their lives is still serious. So Yovina was facing up to six years in prison after being charged with second degree falsely reporting an incident and tampering with or fabricating physical evidence. The charges stem from her false claim to police in October of 2016 that two student athletes raped her in the bathroom during an off-campus party, a claim she admitted was false three months later after her story fell apart. The Connecticut Post provides some details of her false accusation. On October 15, 2016, police were dispatched to St. Vincent's Medical Center for a sexual assault complaint. Police said Yovina told them she had attended a Sacred Heart football club party the night before at a house at Lakeside Drive in Bridgeport. Police said the woman claimed the two men pulled her into a bathroom in the basement of the house. I don't want to be in here. I don't want to do anything. My friends are waiting for me outside. Let me go outside, police said. Yovina claimed she told the men. She said she continued. Uh, they said she continued that they held her down and each took a turn sexually assaulting her. Both players admitted to having sex with Yovina in the restroom, but they insisted it was consensual. A witness also testified to hearing Yovino tell them she wanted to have sex with the two athletes. Detectives additionally noted inconsistencies in Yovina's original statement. Amid mounting evidence that her allegation was false, Yovino admitted to police three months later that she lied. Her motivation, as the colleague Fix points out, was similar to the motives of Jackie Coakley in the infamous University of Virginia gang rape story reported by Rolling Stone and ultimately debunked. Yovina told investigators that she lied about the sex being consensual so she wouldn't lose another male friend who was a potential boyfriend. She admitted that she made up the allegation of sexual assault against the football players because it was the first thing that came to mind and she didn't want to lose another male student as a friend and potential boyfriend, the arrest warrant affidavit reads. She stated that she believed when the other male student heard the allegation, it would make him angry and sympathetic to her. Under the plea bargain, Yovina will be sentenced to three years that will be suspended after just one year in prison, after which she will serve three years probation. That single year in prison is also likely to be shorter because she is expected to be awarded sometime, sir. So let me ask y'all this. Is that justice? Is that justice? Thankfully that these young men and young men out there, you have to be careful. You have to be careful of where you sticking your penis. You just can't be sticking your penis in every willing hole. You just can't do it. You have to be very, very careful. Now, your whole life, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm victim blaming here, but I, when my grandsons get of appropriate age, I will have the same conversation with them. You have to be careful of who you out here dealing with. You don't know the psychological state of some people. 
And then also STDs is a real thing. Okay. STDs are on the rise. STDs is nothing to be playing around with because you're playing Russian roulette with your life. So thankfully, the investigators did a proper investigation, questioned her on her inconsistencies, talked to a witness who said that she had said she wanted to have sex with those two, two young men. And then she cracked under that questioning and admitted that she made the story up because she didn't want this other dude to know that she has sex with she has sex with two guys at the same time. She allowed two guys to run a train on her. Okay? Thankfully they didn't go to prison for that. Now, she might be looking at less than a year in prison. When I'm sure if they had gone to trial and been convicted of this, they probably would have been doing 10 years or more. Is her sentence justice? I don't think that the punishment fits the crime. I'm not saying she should go to prison for 10 years, but she should at least be made to do that minimum of three years. She injured somebody. She injured two persons whose lives were derailed because she didn't want another guy to think that she was the type of girl that allowed guys to run trains on her. That's, you know, man. So, again, we got to have balance in this conversation about sexual allegations of rape and other sexual misconduct. We cannot simply be telling people just believe her because now you're poisoning potential jurors who will see, uh, uh, you know, might sit on a rape trial involving a female victim and a male alleged perpetrator and they won't weigh the evidence properly and they'll just simply believe her. I'm going to vote to convict because I believe women. That's not promoting justice and we have to push back against that. I have to push back against that. And using the fact that women in the past have often not been believed in this society, that's no that's no excuse to go to the other extreme. The goal should be justice. First and foremost, it should be the first thing you seeking and the last thing you seeking. Justice, justice, justice. And I hate to live in it, man. I tell you, well, y'all already know I hate this society to begin with. But listen, I'm going to take a station identification break, um, play some music, top off my coffee, and uh, we'll come back. And when I come back, if we have any calls, we'll take those calls on what I've discussed thus far, what I've shared with you thus far. But again, here's the other, another problem that I see. We cannot use race as a qualifier in politics. Just cause a person's skin color has some melanin in it doesn't mean they practice justice, doesn't mean that they deserve your vote. 
just because based on a skin color. I don't care if other people vote like that. What are we living in? A monkey see, monkey do society? Is that what you're telling me? If 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 I if this person uh, uh goes out and do something stupid, then I gotta do it something stupid too. If this person has an illogical process by which they determine politicians that they're going to support based on skin color, that means I got to do it too? No, not at all. The only thing that should matter is their record on the issues, okay? And not those who conveniently flip-flop on the issue because now their views are unpopular, now all of a sudden, oh, I'm 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 for justice. No, I I don't trust you. You are not trustworthy. Okay, Kamala Harris. Hypocrisy, man. So, <coughs> excuse me. So we'll talk about that. We'll look at this interesting information that came out in the murder trial of Jason Van Dyke, who who killed. Um, Laquan McDonald I'm saying he premeditated and murdered this this is first degree murder I don't think that's what he was charged with first degree murder might have been second degree or third degree or something but this new information I think supports a first degree murder charge alright and then the uh, last thing I want to get into is this story about the federal the uh, FBI arresting several of these um terrorist suspects who are white who traveled from California to Charlottesville and were arrested for inciting a riot, okay? And then, you know, again, the retardation where people, black people are saying that the First Amendment allows for white people to stand in the middle of the street and yell nigger at, at black people passing by, even if that was true. As a self-respecting black person, you will never hear anything like that come out of my mouth or you would never see me post anything of the sort to social media. That's just retarded. All right. So on on the flip side, we'll get into those other stories you're listening to. Black Talk Radio News. I broadcast this program Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. God willing. Use the blow a fuse. 
Yes, was the start of my last jam. So here it is again, another death jam. But since I gave you all a little something that I knew you lacked, they still consider me a new jack. All the critics you can hang on my hold the rope, but they hope to the Pope and play it ain't dope. The follow-up Farrakhan, he'll tell me that you understand until you hear the man. The book up the new school rap game, writers treat me like Coltrane, insane. Yes to them, but to me, I'm a different kind. We're brothers on the same mind, unblind, caught in the middle end, not surrendering. I don't rhyme for the sake of riddling, so claim that I'm a smuggler. Some say I never heard of you, a rap burglar, false media, we don't need it, do we? It's fake, that's what it be to you, dig me? Yo, Terminator X, step up on the stand and show these people what time it is, boy. As an equal, can I get this through to you? My 98 booming with a trunk of funk. All the jealous punk can't stop the dunk. Coming from the school of hard knocks. Some perpetrate, they drink Clorox, attack the black because I know they lack exact the cold facts. And still they try to Xerox. The leader of the new school, uncool. Never played the fool, just made the rules. Remember there's a need to get alarm. Again, I said I was a time bomb. In the daytime, radio scared of me, cause I'm mad, plus I'm the enemy. They can't come on and play me in prime time, cause I know the time, plus I'm getting mine. I get on the mix late in the night, they know I'm living right, so here goes the mic sight. Before I let it go, don't rush my show, you try to reach and grab and get elbow. Word to her, yo, if you can't swing this, learn the words. You might sing this, just a little bit of the taste of the bass for you. As you get up and dance at the LQ, with some denied to fight, I swing polos. Then they clear the lane, I go solo. The meaning of all of that to media is the wax. As you believe it's true, it blows me through the roof. Suckers, liars, give me a shovel. Some writers I know are damn devils. From them I say don't believe the hype. Yo, Chuck, it must be on the pipe, right? Their pants and pads I set cause I've had it. I'm not an addict, fiend, it was static. I see their tape recorder and I grab it. No, you can't have it back, silly rabbit. I'm going to my media assassin, Harry Allen. I gotta ask him. Yo, Harry, you're a writer. Are we that tight?
Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. Scotty Reed in on this broadcast from behind the enemy lines. Again, if you have a question or comment, um, doesn't I'm not looking for any kind of confirmation bias here. If you have an opposing view, I'm more than... I shouldn't say that, okay? <laughs> but I'm more than mature enough to handle when I don't agree with somebody on something without going whining and, and saying, you harassing me and, and all that kind of garbage. But anyway, uh, just one more thing on, on uh, the Kanye stuff and the accusation that he doesn't, that was levied at him, that he doesn't fully understand the issues. All right, listen, Malcolm X said that you don't judge a person because they don't know what you know or you don't condemn a person because they don't know what you know or think what you think or think as fast because at one time you didn't know what you know. So I'm saying to those making that judgment that if you still calling this mass incarceration, you don't know as much as you think you know about this system that's still practicing slavery. You ain't got to believe me. It's not a matter of opinion. It's what the 13th Amendment says they're doing. Okay, and there's plenty, plenty of evidence throughout since 1865 to prove that they never ended slavery. And the reason that the United States has the world's largest population of prisoners, predominantly non-white, primarily black, is because of that history of practicing slavery that they refuse to give up. So don't think you know everything in judging somebody else about their knowledge on the issue. So anyway, this uh, Jason Van Dyke trial uh, that's going on in Chicago today might be the last day. Who knows? It could go to the jury tomorrow. Um, I'm looking at an APnews.com report. Um, the last thing that they posted was a because it's supposed to be going on a timeline. Um, so I guess they're not going to update it because it's way past 4.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, a white Chicago police officer charged with murder in the 2014 shooting of Laquan McDonald has testified that he opened fire when the black teenager kept advancing toward him while waving a knife. Uh, officer Jason Van Dyke adamantly stuck to his version of events Tuesday, even when confronted with the video that showed a different scene. In a clear but sometimes halting voice, at times fighting back tears, fake crocodile tears. He was pulling a, a Brett Kavanaugh on us up on the stand. Oh, I'm just a persecuted white man up here. Um, in a clear but sometimes halting voice, at times fighting back tears, Van Dyke described arriving in his police SUV to find McDonald in a city street carrying a small knife. Van Dyke later turned defiant under questioning by prosecutors who pointed out that video of the shooting didn't match his account, telling ju juries, the video doesn't show my perspective. See, here we go again. <laughs> This perspective after they just had this uh, um, pro-police psychologist who makes a lot of money writing police pro-police uh, pro articles trying to use some pseudo-psychology to justify why more than any other nation that I'm aware of, 
that slave catchers, oh, y'all call them police, are killing American citizens, over a thousand a year. I'm telling you, I was in a war zone. I was in a war called the Gulf War, and we did not have that high uh, of casualties in a war zone, all right? Over a thousand a year are being killed. And they're not all justified. So even in the face of this video, this dude talking about, well, the video doesn't show it from my perspective. Well, what other perspective is there? There's not a perspective. There's the reality. The video camera doesn't have an opinion. The video isn't under the influence of outside, you know, external people or whatnot. No, the video shows what happened. What are you talking about? Your perspective. Well, what's your perspective? That's what we really need to get at. So let me get to this part where he's actually um, Dr. Lawrence Miller. Look him up. He's a pro-police psychologist. He works for a police department down there in Florida. And I I suspect he makes lots of money uh, testifying in the cases of police who, although it rarely happens, doesn't happen enough, uh, get charged with a crime. So let me read this. As a psychologist says that a white Chicago police officer charged with murder in the death of Laquan McDonald had told him that he had thought he would have to shoot the black teenager even before he got to the scene. Now, that's very key piece of information there that came from a very unlikely source. So the defense had this pro-police defense, uh, um, psychologist that they paid who interviewed Jason Van Dyke on their behalf who said Laquan said that Van Dyke told him he thought he would have to shoot the, teen, the teenager before he even got to the scene. So to me, that speaks to premeditation, meaning before he even arrived on the scene to assess the situation, he already made up in his mind that he was going to kill whoever it was out there in that street, okay, with this legal small knife in his hand, all right? So Miller also testified that the shooting of McDonald was a reasonable response to what he perceived as a deadly threat. So what I'm saying here is you pay, you can pay somebody and they'll get up on the stand and tell you whatever it is that you want them to say. So he testified under oath that it was a reasonable response. Although the video shows that Laquan McDonald was walking away from Jason Van Dyke and that no other officer on the scene perceived a threat that they pulled out their guns and emptied the clip into this young man. Okay? Now, it goes on to say, but under questioning from prosecutors, Miller said Van Dyke had told him that he had told his partner on the way to the scene that he thought they would have to shoot the team. 
Miller says Van Dyke also wondered why other officers had not already done so. Wow. It's it's telling you, man, that's an admission of guilt right there. That speaks to premeditation. And I'm not sure because it doesn't say here what Van Dyke was charged with. I know it says he was charged with murder, but that speaks to premeditated murder, which would fall under a first degree murder charge. All right, let me move on to this next story as I get ready to wrap it up. Um, let me close out some of these tabs that I got open. Feds make several arrests in connection to the Unite the Right rally. Four white supremacists hit with federal charges over Charlottesville's Unite the Right weekend. Federal charges came more than a year after violence surrounding the August 2017 rally. Federal authorities in Virginia have arrested several individuals in connection with violence in Charlottesville in August 2017, a U.S. official said Tuesday. Four men were slapped with federal conspiracy charges related to rallies on August the 11th and 12th. Cole Evan White, Benjamin Drake Daly, Michael Paul Macellis, and Thomas Walter Gillen, each identified as marchers in either the torch rally on campus or the deadly gathering at the park the next day. The federal rioting charges filed on August the 27, 2018 were unsealed on Tuesday. A criminal complaint filed against the four defendants features images of them engaged in violence during the Unite the Right weekend. According to an affidavit unsealed Tuesday, the four men were among the most violent individuals present in Charlottesville last year. All defendants are from California and are part of a violent white supremacist group. Why not just call them a terrorist group? And why isn't this terrorist group, uh, why is it allowed to operate? Why aren't they being targeted as if, you know, we had an ISIS cell or something here behind these enemy lines? Um, but anyway, it says they're, they're, they all belong to a violent white supremacist group called the Rise Above Movement, RAM. RAM, really? RAM? I mean, that sounds like an acronym of a black nationalist group um, that I... Um, distinctly remember from the 60s or something so they still in still in names i guess anyway this was first documented by ProPublica and frontline now this kind of speaks to something that ross brought up yesterday about we are seeing some changes not enough but some changes in the mindset uh in this racist society where people, even if they're not being held legally accountable for their racist views, are being held accountable by society. So here is um, a couple, uh, some details on these people. Daily 24 owns a trim tree, trimming business in Southern California and has previously spent time in jail for illegally possessing a firearm. He was seen in video footage violently punching counter protesters at Unite the Right. 
uh, from ProPublica. Ben Daly has used his Facebook page to bash Mark Zuckerberg and his Facebook Jew police for taking down his anti-Muslim posts to suggest that African Americans are quote-unquote shit and that former President Obama is a leech and to cheer the fatal shooting of a black man. Good riddance, he wrote. The night before the Unite the Right rally, Daly and Gillian, a 23-year-old from Torrance, California, were among those who marched through uh, UVA's campus carrying torches. They chanted, Jews will not replace us and attack anti-racist protesters. Gillian, Gillen had also been previously jailed for uh, possessing an illegal handgun. Marcellus, the third RAM member listed in charges unsealed Tuesday, was an aerospace engineer for defense contractor Northrop Grunman until this past July when he was fired from his job after his membership in RAM was exposed by ProPublica. Now, so for those that want to think or suggest to us that only the uneducated, ignorant, poor, white person are the, are the ones who are the white supremacists and they're doing it out of their ignorance. Uh, no, this dude was not some poor white person uh, surviving on food stamps and being fed false information about people taking their jobs or or the blame for uh, economic, you know, crashes and all of that. No, this, this was an aerospace engineer for a major defense contractor. I'm willing to bet he's probably making six figures a year. Marcellus, 29, can be seen in video footage from the Charlottesville rally shoving a black counter-protester to the ground and punching him. White, the fourth defendant, lost his job at Top Dog Restaurant in Berkeley, California after being exposed as having marched with white supremacists in Charlottesville. These charges were not related to the death of Heather Hare, who died when a car driven by a white supremacist, James Alex Field Jr., slammed into a crowd of protesters demonstrating against racism. Federal authorities announced charges against Field back in June. Um, let me see if there's anything else relevant that we need to bring up. Um, it talks about the other case where uh, those white supremacists were convicted for beating up DeAndre Harris, the uh, black young black man who was seen on video uh, getting beaten uh, by a gang of terrorists inside a parking garage in Virginia. Um, so let me see if there's anything else relevant. They also posted the actual um, indictment or warrant on this HuffingtonPost.com article. All of these can be found linked to in my uh, profile post for today's program inside of BTRcommunity.com. Now, the last thing that I want to uh, share with you is going back to this black person and I feel sorry for this black person because they're not engaged in logical thinking or deduction in saying that the first amendment which prohibits the government from, from prohibiting freedom of speech the exercise of religion 
in the Freedom of Press to say that that covers a racist terrorist standing in the middle of the street verbally harassing and terrorizing black people by calling them niggers as they pass by. Even if that's true, as a self-respecting black person against racism and terrorism, slavery and, and, and other ills in this society, even if that was true, I would not be in a public forum telling people that white people have a right to call us niggers in the public square. Now, I knew that this wasn't right, that it was wrong information because I did the research back in 2015 when Tim Wise said that ignorant mess on Facebook and he got very, very combative with me instead of debating with me um, the issue as a matter of law and not something that he believed. But as a matter of fact, you know, then he started name calling me. Uh, slandering black talk radio on Twitter and what have you. And here comes Soledad O'Brien coming to his defense. He's right. The First Amendment does cover uh, verbal terrorism against black people and uh, standing in the public square. But I mean, think logically think about that. Now, whether or not a police officer arrests a person who's doing such a thing, that does still doesn't uh, say that the First Amendment covers that. And I had forgotten about this until today when this person, you know, was was trying to push this retarded viewpoint out there. I was um, standing in the square, and that's what we call it in Charlotte, North Carolina, the corner of Trade and Tryon. We called it the square, all right? It's the center of downtown. And before they built the um, the transit center, that's where everybody stood to catch the bus, you know, to get from uptown going to, you know, different parts of the city. And we called it the square. So I was going to Central Piedmont Community College back then. And so I had walked uptown because it's in walking distance. Um, um, I could have caught a bus to the square and then transferred, but I walked because um, it was only about, you know, maybe a mile and a half. So I walked to the square. There was a homeless man. Obviously, I, you know, I'm, I, I can't say that he had a mental illness just based off of what I observed, but he was just sitting on a bench. Every person that walked walk by, I mean, he was yelling at the top of his lungs, call, calling them uh, names. And this was a black man. And he was calling people punks. He was calling them bitches. Um, he was calling them MFs, and, and and screaming at the top of his lungs. And this wasn't no small guy either. And people was feeling threatened. You know, this guy is having a mental break or something, and he might attack somebody. The police came and arrested him. They didn't put him in the back of, pol- of a police car, but they put him in the back of a paramedic's uh, van, you know, I forget what they call those things, you know, um, an ambulance. They put him in the back of an ambulance. So I want to think they was taking him to get a mental evaluation. But here's my point. You cannot stand in the square yelling at people, 
calling them obscene names and stuff like that because you'll be charged with disturbing the peace or any other creative charge that they want to come up with. If, if it's a white person standing in the square in Charlotte, because it would make mo- the majority of it would be black people who were using the bus, and we would all be standing in the square. Now, if a white person came and done that, what that that mentally ill black person was doing, and calling us niggers. I, you know, a police officer might charge that person with inciting a riot because as in the Supreme Court case back in the 1930s, Kaplinsky versus, I think it's New Jersey, I'm not sure, where where this Jehovah Witness was yelling obscenities on the street at a police officer and the police officer arrested that person for for disturbing the peace. And the courts ruled that the First Amendment does not protect fighting words. The First Amendment, the the justice, uh, one of the justices argued, protects ideals or ideology. Okay, if I'm if I'm in this public square and I'm you know talking about some political message, let's say I'm out there on my soapbox saying. Hey, 13th Amendment never abolished slavery or that's an ideal. That's a political ideal. If I'm standing up on the square and I'm telling people that um niggers need to be lynched or something like that, that's that that's not a political ideal. That's not any kind of ideal that is protected by the First Amendment. You don't get to harass people with your words. You just simply don't. And you can think that you do, and you're liable to get punched out, as many people have been punched out for that, but you're also likely to get arrested for disturbing the public. Um, the public. You're disturbing, you know, causing a disturbance. They can arrest you. Your First Amendment, you have no First Amendment right to verbally assault people. You just don't. And I I think that should be pretty easy for people to understand, but apparently uh, not. All right. So that's all I got for you this evening. Um, Hope that um, this program was constructive. Again, I'm not on here to feed into your confirmation bias. I'm on here to share news with you my views on the news and uh, different issues and, you know, agreement isn't necessary, but, you know, I do appreciate feedback. All right, so I'll be back on air tomorrow night, which is Wednesday, 8 o'clock p.m. with a broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio where we focus on the 13th Amendment and we share stories with you in the context that the United States never abolish slavery and what you're calling mass incarceration is a continuation of slavery in this nation all right um y'all be safe out there behind these enemy lines because they're still practicing slavery they're gunning down american citizens by by the thousands and you know we don't want you to become a victim and you should 
um, take steps to mitigate that kind of contact with people. All right, peace and blessings to all until tomorrow night.